1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective,
0: 2020 on Vision. One of the nation's Christian newspapers, the Eternity newspaper, carried the headline late last week. Who are you going to call when Christians get arrested? Why would law-abiding Christians get arrested, I hear you ask? Well, more and more in other Western nations, there are significant legal battles that are being fought in the courts, where Christians have been dragged before magistrates and judges because they have decided to stand and not be ashamed of Christ in the public square. Here in Australia, our isolation from other nations means that we are getting some significant insights before our time into the deterioration of Christian values in Western nations. Well, UK barrister Andrea Williams is visiting Australia on a national tour with Family Voice Australia. Andrea is a barrister who has practised at all levels of the British judicial system. She pioneered the student and policy work of the Lawyers' Christian Fellowship and went on to found Christian Concern and the Christian Legal Centre, which have run some of the most high-profile Christian freedom cases and campaigns in Europe. She is a leading analyst, campaigner and spokeswoman on issues of national importance in the moral life of the nation and as defender of Christian liberties in the parliamentary process, the justice system and in the media. Her tour of Australia is called Not Ashamed. Not Ashamed is the slogan of Christian Concern, the advocacy organisation that she heads. Her organisation runs legal cases and campaigns on marriage and free speech and family issues. Uh, There are some more dates that you'll be able to see Andrea speak uh, throughout uh, the nation over these coming days this week. I'll give you those details as we uh, enter into our conversation today. But a special welcome to you, Andrea Williams.
2: It's great to be here.
0: Well, we've turned on the weather for you, especially uh, in Queensland today. I don't
2: believe this is winter. You're having me on. You're having (laughs) me on.
0: And uh, for listeners uh, throughout Australia, if you're in some colder areas, uh, the forecast in Queensland, in Brisbane today, a top of 26 degrees, and uh, it is a glorious day. It's
2: absolutely stunning. The sky is blue. It's fantastic. So warm.
0: Beautiful. (laughs) It is. Andrea, You are in Australia at the Invitation of Family Voice Australia, a wonderful organisation that is advocating for free speech and uh, looking at all sorts of issues that are affecting the way Christians are affected by a changing culture.
2: That's right. In
0: the UK, you're a little further ahead. I believe
2: that we are, yes.
0: Yes. Describe what the environment looks like in the UK for us.
2: Well, I think that what we have to realise as Christians is that it's very easy uh, to take for granted the great and beautiful heritage that we have, the heritage that has given us f- all of these freedoms, the the heritage that really understands tolerance and kindness and liberty. Uh, but what's happened in the United Kingdom is that we have uh, begun to see our very freedom to live out the Christian faith eroded from the public space. And that's really as a result of a very aggressive, uh, atheistic uh, politi- politics um, that has really reared its head in, in in public life. The kind of myth of the neutral, uh, the neutral public square, the secular public square, that somehow that that is neutral. And Christians have really, over the last couple of decades, become quite quiet in the public space. Have failed to speak, and as a result of that, we've seen many of our freedoms eroded.
0: It's interesting because we might in Australia assess that somehow or other in the last five or ten years things have started to heat up and there's been more pressure on Christians. Uh, but as you say, and you've been doing this for something like thirty years right. I don't want to give away your uh, your age and yes. all but, uh, but and you describe the past twenty years as a time when Christians have gone a little bit quiet, yes why is it, do you think Christians have gone quiet when they didn't have to go quiet?
2: Well, I think that we didn't we didn't realise what was going to happen. So this is why I've come to Australia, because I really want to warn you about what happens. And as you've just said, Neil, it's in the last five or ten years, perhaps here in Australia, you can begin to sense that something's happening. But when it begins to happen, it happens very fast. I think that what we see, have seen in the United Kingdom is a moving away from our Christian heritage, really from the 1960s, the sexual revolution bringing this kind of sexual freedom, so-called sexual freedom, which in fact didn't really give us freedom, but that's that's what it said that it was offering. Um The place of marriage uh, was no longer really protected in our laws or in public life as a matter of culture. With that, we saw increasingly all the protections around life. So with the advent of the possibility of abortion, we saw all of those protections begin to be eroded. And So that that all happened and you began to get a little bit the dismantling of families. And as that went on, then we had a sort of very strong homosexual political agenda that began to make demands on the culture. And with human rights legislation, what began to happen was a move away from our common law rooted in Christian principles. The common law was Christian principles to have a sort of secular human rights based legislation where you saw competing rights in the public space and as you saw, those competing rights. So the homosexual lobby began to make uh, demands uh, to have their freedom, to uh, to have their rights understood and protected in law. Then asking for civil unions, and then asking for marriage, which has been re- redefined. But what 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 that actually did was not just to redefine marriage, but redefine family, because it gave them access to reproductive. Um, technologies and also to fostering and adopting children if you're in a Christian if you're a Christian in all the midst of this uh, and and begin to speak about marriage as between a man and woman you begin to find yourself out in the cold in public life and losing your job
0: well so many of our listeners will recognize that as you're describing what has happened in the UK uh, that sounds exactly like what appears to be happening here in Australia. So you've got our attention, Andrea. Yes. Uh, what sort of cases are the most common cases that are coming up in the courts? Is it people who are like street preachers? Is it school teachers? Is it people who are just wearing a cross in the workplace? Or what sort of cases have you found yourself defending? Or are those the, 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 are those the small fry cases and, and there's actually bigger stuff that's, that's coming up?
2: Well, extraordinary, extraordinarily, all of the cases that you have uh, just mentioned, we have some 200 inquiries um, every year. If anyone had told me when I was uh, a young lawyer that I would be uh, in court defending uh, a nurse uh, from uh, because she'd been uh, suspended for gross misconduct for wearing a cross and the hospital didn't want the cross to be visible, although uh, it said that the, Christ- uh, that the cross was not uh, the court said that the, co- the cross was not a recognised symbol of Christianity, and it took us, uh, it took us all, uh, going all the way to the European Court of Human Rights before an ex-communist Polish judge said that the cross was a Christian symbol. So, so the the hospital trust didn't recognise that cross as a Christian symbol, nor the judges. Eleven judges through the British judicial system did not recognise the cross as a sim- Christian symbol. Ironically, in that case, the hospital. Uh, actually gave um religious accommodation to the um Islamic hijab and also to the Sikh bracelet, but not to the cross. so this was a, the, these are sort of extraordinary uh, arguments that we were making making before the court. So you've got the manifestation manifestation of faith through symbols, but also then the manifestation of faith by believing in marriage. So you have the magistrate who loses his position for simply saying behind closed doors in a deliberating room, that a child does best with a mother and father, and he would like the child to stay with a mother and father rather than being placed with two men. He then was reported and uh, by the, his fellow bench members, and was suspended from his position um, on on the bench. And indeed, the um, the Lord the um, the the Lord Lord Chancellor said that he had allowed his religious views to impinge in his judicial making powers, and this was uh, inappropriate. You have counsellors losing their jobs because they want to help people move away from unwanted same sex attraction, and now we are being told that that's that's immoral to try and do such a thing, that it's wrong to do such a thing, and that such such activity um, is is not in the best interests of individuals, and is I think it's increasingly out in effect outlawed in our country.
0: So everyone is under scrutiny yes. and what that means that even if the judges and the magistrates are under the scrutiny of their peers, politicians obviously under scrutiny, uh, we put them under scrutiny too because uh, we want them to uphold good uh, and solid sound values on which our nation was founded. Uh, but uh, what is happening then clearly is bigger than what's happening just with uh, an agitating lobby group there's a growing sense of this idea of uh, of when you talk about a biblical view of sexual morality it's increasingly being seen as hateful
2: yes it's become it's become the new immorality in the in the public space and also it's the situation is that The new sexual politics, um, and sexual orientation laws are, they compete against religious freedom laws, but they, but it's actually the religious freedom laws in our nation that are losing. And so the, the sexual orientation laws trump the religious freedom laws. And so what you find is that Christians are being left out in the cold, but even politicians. So it may, you may have heard here, um, here in Australia that Tim Farron, who was the leader of the Liberal Democrats, um, he was quite a well-known Christian politician. He was the leader of our Liberal Democrats, are qu- quite left-wing, um, but during the, la- the 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 last election um, that Theresa May quickly called, um, he was continually hounded both in Parliament and wherever he went. He was: Do you believe that gay sex is a sin? Do you believe that gay sex is a sin? Do you believe that women uh, should be able to have abortions? Do you think abortion um, is is wrong? He was continually asked these questions and initially he tried to avoid them. He should probably have just answered properly. And in the end, he capitulated and he said that he didn't think gay sex was a sin, that he was proud of the Liberal Democrats record, that um, he thought that women should have be able to have full access uh, to abortion and more. Now, the, the reality was that even when he capitulated, that wasn't enough for the lobby, so much so that they, he was hounded and hounded again and in the end resigned, saying that it was impossible uh, to be a politician and actually work out the faith and speak of faith in the, in the public space. Also during that campaign. So we're just talking a few weeks ago now. A, an MP, a member of parliament for the Isle of Wight, um, he went to a school and in the school he, he said that he didn't think that, uh, homosexual lifestyle was healthy. It was something like that he said, uh, in the course of a discussion. Um, a girl tweeted that out, um, and saying how appalling it was that a member of parliament should say such a thing, the gay lobby came on at him. He was then asked to resign by the party. This is the Conservative Party, and and he and he stood down. So you actually see that there's a hounding a hounding out of people that um, believe. In Christ, that believe in the truth, believing Christian truth, as it's outworked in the public space where the truth is being attacked in public life today. So today, front page of newspapers, we have the education secretary, who's out as a lesbian, saying that she's going to uh, in, uh, extend the laws with regard to identifying if you're transgender, right, identifying in the opposite sex. That this is all going to become further, further liberalised, and she's going to take the whole LGBTQI. Further into the schools. Let's
0: talk about hounding for a few moments because it seems to be that when the church is comfortable doing what it's doing, not standing up, uh, almost being jostled by what's happening with a new rising agenda, uh, when the hounding happens, uh, it's too easy then to sort of slip back into. You know, just, uh, into the background, a uh, cower in the corner almost. Yeah. Because it, and I'm not sure what it was like in the UK, but Christians used to be accused of doing things like Bible bashing. And you could say that's a hounding, uh, from a Christian side. And, uh, and, but when you've got Christians who are not wanting to be hounding anymore, uh, it seems to be that the hounding from the opposite side is just so strong. It's, it's overpowering the Christians. Is that, is that the sort of way you, this, I'm not sure whether anyone talks to you about yeah. how powerful hounding yeah. is, yeah, but yeah. hounding is like, it's the, it's the dripping tap. It's, yeah. uh, it's chipping away. It's just a relentless, uh, relentless pressure that eventually sees the other side succumb to that. And then they've won.
2: Yeah. Um, And the the thing, we have lost our confidence in the power of the gospel. We've lost our confidence to, we we might sort of speak of Jesus as a friend, but we don't speak of him as Lord and King, and we don't speak of his righteousness. And actually where the gospel is under attack today is not not where it used to be in many ways, which perhaps 60 years ago it might have been on the authenticity of the Bible. It might have been on the virgin birth or the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These things are no longer the things that are... That are that are talked about uh, in term, in liberal circles, let's say. Rather, it is what is marriage? Are we made in the image of God? Is life worthy of protection? And these become the how now to live. This this becomes where the gospel truth, Jesus, and his, Jesus and His words are under attack, and it's where we, the church, have retreated in public life. We've considered them almost the secondary issues, and this is a great disservice because what's happened is that we uh, have allowed. Uh, we've we have begun to reflect culture rather than set the standards for culture and most sadly of all we are seeing a lot of christian leaders bow to the present culture so the Church of England bishops um are all they've been in a long discussion for years to try and now to try and work out what they say God's view is on um sexual expression on whether it's all right um outside of marriage in effect um that that's the kind of discussion they're having they can't make a clear sound on whether same sex marriage is right or wrong. And so because they can't make a clear sound, the whole of society suffers as a result of it. Um, there is a reality that God loves each one of us and we come to him as we are, but he doesn't leave us where we are. There's a transforming power in the gospel and the church has failed to speak. The other thing that we found is that where where Christian leaders or where churches are orthodox, some of them are just almost led a retreatist mentality. And they view the gospel as very private. It's all about making disciples one by one, but not that the gospel has something to say in the public sphere. Almost a two kingdoms type mentality. It's all going bad in the world. We'll make Christians over here. Um, We've got to expect this. But instead, the gospel is public. Jesus is public. He's king of kings and he's lord of lords and we need to be proud of him in the public space because he is good, not just for you and me, but he is good for everyone. And um, if we don't, then what we end up with is we end up with practical atheism. We are living under practical atheism, which is hard and cruel and unkind. It leaves society in chaos and it punishes those that will not approve of it.
0: Sometimes I reflect on Christians in Australia and this perception, and I'll get your comment on it, this perception that somehow or other the Christian message has all about being a a carrier and a bringer of good news. But along with the carrier and bringer of good news comes this uh, parallel idea of resisting evil. And to resist evil, uh, that takes a little effort, that takes a little risk. Uh, And, of course, uh, you're dealing with issues when it comes even to the level of the courts. But this idea of resisting evil, how do you dispel that in Christian believers who think that it's not up to us to stand Uh, For righteousness, Uh, it's just about us bringing the good news. How do you describe that sort of thing, Andrea?
2: Well, I think that he who wants to win the world for Jesus Christ must be prepared to come into conflict with the world for Jesus Christ. And actually one of the great issues of of our day, I believe at the moment, is that we have become so intimidated by the culture and so desirous of to be seen as people that love because we get very quickly labeled as bigoted and phobic. And we, we allow the the language to be set by the other side. We are, our hearts are full of compassion for every person. Um, but there is a reality that with love comes truth. And as the church, we've been good at bringing out love, but we think we sometimes we take it too far so that we actually get to a point where we don't ever speak the truth into people's lives and love without Truth becomes just sort of social social work and truth without love is is hard and legalistic. We've got to bring those two things together, remembering always that it's Jesus that transforms our lives, that makes us different. And actually it's Jesus that can make a healthy and a happy culture. A holy people is a happy people. A, A nation that seeks the righteousness of God will be a nation that thrives and that's our great heritage. That is why Great Britain was great. And that's why the Commonwealth has been great. That's why, of course, not perfect because we operate in it, but that's why we have been so great.
0: A God of love and a God of truth. And it's the truth that will bring us into conflict with those things that are challenging the truth on which our nation has been built. Visions
1: 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events.
0: A special guest with a very
1: significant
0: message to bring to Australia, UK barrister Andrea Williams, visiting Australia on a national tour with Family Voice Australia. Andrea is a barrister who's practised at all levels of the British judicial system and she's the pioneer of the student policy work at Lawyers Christian Fellowship, went on to found the Christian Concern and the Christian Legal Centre. And as I reflected uh, one of the Australian Christian newspapers, Eternity, it was saying, who are you going to call when Christians get arrested? And it always surprises me, Andrea, that here in Australia, I have this impression uh, from people that I come into contact with that this could never happen, that Christians could be arrested over such... Things which would appear to be not so significant, but we've had our own cases uh, where we've had street evangelists being arrested because they said uh, supposedly the wrong thing. And those things thrown out of court when when the right perspective has been brought to life, but the right perspective doesn't save you from getting arrested and uh, taken before a magistrate. You were speaking in Perth late last week. You've spoken to audiences in Adelaide. I'm wondering if those those contacts that you've had have formed some impression in you as to what's happening in Australia right now. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I believe that you have the advantage of seeing what's happened in Western Europe and seeing what's happened in Great Britain. And you're right. We can't imagine that this would actually happen. I find it extraordinary that I've spent my life defending street preachers and defending people for, who have lost their jobs simply for loving Christ, offering prayer—this kind of thing—that's that that's been certainly the last twenty years of my caseload. That's an extra—that's an extraordinary place to be. But I do believe that because that's happened, and we didn't think it could happen in Britain, um, you are alive to it here in Australia. And I, the thing that's amazing for me is that in each state, um, there's a in the state capital, there's a, there's a. Great The, the, the population is, is fairly dense there, but also relatively small compared to the United Kingdom. And there, I therefore believe that each state parliament can be affected by by Christians if they stand up and make Jesus vocal and visible. If they're vocal and visible for Jesus Christ in public life, I believe that because of the numbers in each state, the numbers of Christians that are there, that they can actually warn Christians warn what will happen unless they stand firm. So I'm hoping that we'll see that. I hope that we'll see a resistance um, build up in this nation to stand for God's truth
0: Uh, Let me introduce a a different sort of a word that our listeners might be used to hearing. The idea of heteropatriarchy uh, and the idea that Christianity somehow or other in its whole history and heritage and we'll know that uh, from looking at Christian history and, uh, and if you look back into when the Bible was written, what sort of uh, place and what sort of uh, feelings that there might have been towards who was in charge in those days, that's a word, that heteropatriarchy, that people are uh, concerned about in the Christian church and, uh, and be- even people saying that that has stereotyped Christians. What's your feeling about the idea that there is now a, a seeking to actually redefine what the Bible is teaching uh, according to a LGBT agenda. What are your thoughts, Andrea?
2: Well, we've allowed them to steal words and to steal symbols. And actually, we've got to start speaking back and, and taking taking back the words and taking back the symbols. I think what's very interesting is that this rise of a strong feminist ideology at the beginning then gave way to a strong sexual, p- political, homosexual lobby. Um, it's interesting that during the 1960s and 70s, we started calling one another partners. husband. We stopped using marriage, husband and wife. And then as the ho- homosexual agenda advanced, what was quite interesting is that you then began to hear the terms husband and husband, wife and wife, and we want marriage. Once marriage had been obliterated, as it were, as once we hadn't stood for marriage clearly as Christians, what you then got was was something that no longer looked like marriage, which the homosexuals then said that we want. And so that as a result of that, you get the the stealing back of the term so that now it's very difficult to really explain what marriage, marriage is or you, or it can mean different things to different people, and, and indeed so can family.
0: Let's take some quick calls. Carmeny is in Victoria. Hello, Carmeny, Welcome along.
3: Hi. Hi, Hi, Neil. Neil. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, very well. What are your thoughts? I just I work for a big IT company and the CEO CEO came out as homosexual. Um I'm a Christian in the company and I find it very difficult uh, because on the news they played a lot at work and um about gay marriage and everybody because half of the employees at my store are um homosexual. And I find it so difficult like one person approached me and said um so what's your thoughts about gay marriage and things and they know I'm Christian but I get like stunned and like like, I'm just so afraid to answer that, to be, like, persecuted. I don't know. But, uh, like, any advice? But, yes. Okay. Well, first of all, I yeah.
2: you need to be careful if you're on the radio at, at, at this time, just in terms of uh, further identifying yourself or identifying the company, because that... May well then mean that you become, in a sense, a marked person. So I'm just trying to give you a warning on live radio. I mean, I think it's important that we stand, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm absolutely for standing and I, and I defend people like you who very often what happens is that in a situation as you are at the moment, get asked a question. So we have teachers that are asked similar questions. What's your view on gay marriage? They'll say something along the lines of God loves everyone, but God doesn't approve of gay marriage. Something like that. And they find themselves dismissed for gross misconduct. That there is the case of Sarah Mabui. That is um, a nursery teacher who was sacked for saying just that. That's the case of Victoria Allen, a um, a teacher in a secondary school that was sacked for uh, answering that kind of question. So. The, this is the part of the problem it's not just the cases it's actually the, the the cultural silencing so Christians become begin to self-censor and to become silenced that's why we so that you can speak um Victoria what we're going to need to do is is we we need to create a culture whereby we keep on speaking of what marriage what Christian marriage really is.
0: Just before the news we took a call from a young woman who has a workplace and she's a Christian believer in her workplace. She says there are a number of homosexual people who live uh, who work in her workplace and she feels under pressure right now because they're asking where she stands on the issue of same-sex marriage. Well, this is an important conversation today because really for almost all of us, we're being faced with this in our workplace. Our special guest this hour is UK barrister Andrea Williams. She's visiting Australia on a national tour with Family Voice Australia. Andrea is a barrister and uh, she is the founder of the Christian Legal Centre and uh, is representing Christians in uh, high profile cases. In Europe, and you can be a part of our conversation today. Our talk back line open uh, for your insights, for your questions about what might be ahead in Australia if there are laws that change to allow same sex marriage. And of course, this is only one of the issues. But, but Andrea, let me just come back to our caller before the news. And when I say this is in your workplace right now, that's not. That's not an exaggeration, you is know, it? No,
2: because that young lady, she was there. She had been intimidated. She was being in t- intimid- t- scared of scared of what might happen if she gave an honest answer, and so we've seen that in the United Kingdom, the Christians essentially privatise their faith, um, so they don't talk about it because they live in fear of what will happen for having such an opinion, and furthermore, in particularly in public workplaces, there are pri- all the all the equality training. Uh, comes in and it's, and it's, de- and it's being delivered, it's being delivered by Stonewall, which is the homosexual lobby organization. Similarly, in school, sex education is being delivered by Stonewall, by the homosexual lobby. And what they're actually doing, they're using the equality and discrimination and human right, rights laws to say, my sexual orientation is like the color of my skin. Um, it's going to be protected like the color of, like the color of skin. It's going to be protected in that way you must respect it and if you don't respect it then you uh you will be punished now what that has done to christians is essentially either make them go quiet um it's meant that many christians in public life are, are retiring early so for instance civil registrars that don't want to preside over same-sex civil partnerships or same-sex marriages they are leaving the workplace people that are working in the adoption agencies, if they don't want to place children into same-sex households, they have to move departments. They're being compelled to do it. If you're a Christian and you go for a job, um, you won't get that job unless you're prepared to do these things. And actually, the public space is not given Christians a co- a conscience space. They're not given Christians freedom of speech. And so Christians are either self-censoring or being punished. And that's why it's really vital... That Australian Christian Australian Christians find their voice now. You strike me as a people that says it pretty straight. You're a little bit different from the Brits. I hope that the the church here is going to be different from the church back at home. In lot in, in quite a lot of the church back at home has capitulated. So the bishops, uh, for instance, in the Church of England, they are they are essentially doing saying nothing on this and in fact voting uh, the wrong way, voting to bring in liturgy, for instance, for. Uh, consider liturgy for transsexuals, new acquired gender. This kind of thing is the way that the the bishops are going.
0: Uh, this idea of uh, self-censoring, uh, of capitulating, of letting the bully win in this sense. Yes. because Because when we talk about hounding, yeah. uh, we are talking about a bullying technique. And yes. We're all familiar with the yeah. idea of the way that bullying works. Yeah. And we don't want to be the victim of the bully, but we feel like perhaps somehow or other there's no way out. You just have to take it on the chin and as a Christian you've got to somehow rather, be silent. How do you encourage Christian believers in their workplace uh, knowing what our legal rights might be here in Australia at present because these could change, uh, but as they are at the moment... Uh, what can Christians do to actually be an expression of Christ, to stand for truth, to not be the victim of a bully?
2: Well, from this very day, it's not to be ashamed of the gospel. It's actually to be raising, to be be really very vocal and very visible. We don't... As gay parades are in this, in this, in our city centers, we need to put Christian parades in our city centers. We need to make the name of Jesus, it's the name of Jesus Christ that has been, is increasingly absent from the political and public discourse. His name's got to be put right back into it. And actually, that everything that flows from him, his beauty and his righteousness is good for all. It's really great for the public space. I think as Christians, we've fallen into this worldview that we are, multiculturalist worldview, this kind of idea that every belief, every opinion has a similar weight, that everyone can compete in the political space. Well, let's look at what's happened when we've allowed that to happen. Atheistic humanism, the homosexual agenda has prevailed and what's it now doing? It's silencing the Christian. Uh, in, in Britain, that the, the um, uh, radical Islam is making demands on the host culture, Interestingly, atheistic humanism is currently tolerating radical Islam and we are seeing lots of um Muslim mayors, for instance, coming up making demands on the host host culture. But Christianity is silent and mute in the middle. And Christianity is the only answer for the freedom of all in this particular situation.
0: We're taking calls on one 316 three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Craig in Victoria. Hello, Craig. Welcome along.
1: Yeah, thanks for taking my call.
0: Craig, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I'm very passionate about this. I've run you before about this uh, situation. I told you last year about the... Uh, hello, how are you? Sorry about that. Hello, Andrea. Hey uh, the,
2: hello, hello.
1: I did say this last year. Now, it can't be a coincidence, I don't think. Uh, last year, the AFL Rainbow Game, Round 21. Mm. Sydney beat St Kilda by... 70 points, which is 10 sevens. 10's the perfect number. Now, they've done it again on the weekend. Round 18. Right? they, the uh, Sydney kicked 14 goals, 17. To St Kilda's nine goals, five. The winning margin was 42 points. Six times seven.
0: Well, Craig, I'm not so sure how much weight we can put on numbers like that. But you do raise a point... Uh, certainly, when it comes to all areas of our lives being affected by this, even the idea of football matches being played under a rainbow uh, banner—that uh, is, uh, you know, in favour of promoting uh, yeah, homosexual Yeah, I think
2: there's something that, uh, in response that's quite interesting. During um, last month, last month in in Britain in uh, June, it's um, it's the time when they act, uh, the Stonewall is in the schools, so there is Rainbow Day in the schools. The children all have to wear rainbow colours give a pound to Stonewall. So what you're seeing is this kind of propaganda, our children not being able to think very differently. But interestingly, in that time as well, we saw the House uh, House of Commons lit up in a rainbow flag and all the Labour MPs were re- wearing rainbow lapels. So it's quite, quite extraordinary, this kind of the dominance of the symbol and the dominance of whether it's in sport, rainbow laces in football, this kind of thing, um, is what we're seeing happen.
0: Uh, Thank you so much to Craig from Victoria for your insight. A little earlier, just before you came on, I was talking with our previous guest, about the Ark Encounter yes. in the United States yeah. and uh, Ken Ham, who's an Aussie creationist, uh, built this massive theme park and he's decided to light up the Ark with the rainbow colours. I love that. With the challenge of taking back the rainbow. Absolutely. Uh, when we talk about, you know, not ashamed yeah. and being louder and prouder yeah. with the gospel, that is one way you can actually broach the conversation coming back the other way, isn't it? That's
2: a- that's absolutely. Remember, we have a message of hope and beauty and Love and restoration, and I think what we're seeing is increasingly, you know, the, what what is this agenda bringing us in our schools? It's now taught in our schools. Our children aren't taught to be keep themselves pure. They're just they're they're, they're taught that they've just got to keep themselves safe somehow whilst being exposed to a very highly sexualised agenda from the very beginning. And what is this bringing our children? We're increasing mental health issues. You know, we're increasingly in Great Britain having mental health nurses attached to schools because children are so confused. We're seeing a lot of mental health issues in our university, leavers. high use of pornography. This is a very sad society, and it's only the gospel that's got the answer to that, and that's why we need to come back with that and model and speak what is good and beautiful and true and right, not be ashamed of that gospel in the public space.
0: Uh, You know, it's interesting, Andrea, that we're hearing this from a lawyer, uh, not necessarily from our church leaders. Yeah. Uh, and it's not that the church leaders don't have opportunity. Perhaps they need some grounding in how to get their voice heard. And uh, I suspect that every one of the denominations needs to have its own media department that is actively out there doing that. But I'm not sure whether the denominations actually have a media department that is actively trying to put uh, something in the public space from our church leaders. But it certainly does need to happen. We're taking calls on one eight hundred 316 Let's hear... Uh, from Shelby in Sunnybank. Hello, Shelby. Welcome it's along. Leaders, but it certainly does need to happen. We're taking calls on... Shelby, I think you needed to turn your radio down there. Let's take a call from Bev in Queensland. Well, Hello, Bev. How?
4: Hello. Um, the last that rang through having trouble in the workplace, when Jesus was asked a question, he answered with a question. And I'm wondering if it helped if she could say to those people, where will you spend eternity?
0: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, there might be a whole lot of questions that you could come up with. Uh, Andrea, your thoughts?
2: That's that's a that's a good way of dealing with it. You, there are all sorts of ways in which we can deal with it, and um, and that's a, certainly a good way of dealing with it.
0: Uh, Bev, uh, have you tried that?
4: I'm just learning, Neil. Okay. I think that we have to get more in touch with what how Jesus dealt with this problem. Um, you know, it, that, those people in the world. He said, you know, it's only if a brother is in that situation that we'd be concerned. And so all this stuff is going to be happening. But when they're in the workplace, and I'm not, I found it, it would be just so difficult. But thinking on with Jesus, we're to be as wise as a serpent, serpent innocent as a dove. And I'm just thinking, you know, he asked, used to ask, answer, sorry, I'm getting upset, answer with a question.
0: Mm. And uh, look, the idea of role play and for families, role play around the table may be one way of actually teaching children just how to respond when they're faced with that challenging question. Uh, thank you so much for your call today, Bev. Let's take a call. Graham is in Tasmania. Hello, Graham.
5: Hello. Uh, look, John Dewey, back, back in 1930, secularism to destroy, the, destroy anything that... Uh, talks about God to put it down, and uh, again, uh,
1: Jude itself,
5: the book of Jude, explains exactly what's happening in this world today,
1: and that we're in great trouble. We are.
0: Uh, your thoughts, Andrea?
2: Yes, I mean, I think what we we see ourselves really the outworking of all of this um, is very much we're in Romans one, where we've exchanged the truth for a lie, we're worshiping the lie, uh, we approve of the lie. Uh, in law and we punch those that speak um that speak against it so we're very much handed over as it were that's what it feels like in our society and that's why it's important that our the voice for the hope of Jesus Christ goes out
0: Thank you to Graham in Tasmania let's take a call from Gary in Sydney hello Gary welcome along Hello how are you Very well Gary what are your thoughts quickly
5: Yeah um, well my thought is that um that the government and uh, the Prime Minister at the moment keep pushing towards trying to change um, to a republic. And it's, it's my fear that if they change to the a republic and not be under the Queen, they'll want to then rewrite the whole constitution. And, and it worries me if they do that, how much, uh, like before when they tried to change things on in the constitution, that could have affected um, the way that we had freedom to speak about the gospel. I'm just wondering, if they go down this path, will that be the the, the big possibility that the Constitution... Gary,
0: good thoughts in all of that. If there was a change from Australia being part of the Commonwealth uh, to becoming a republic, it would mean a rewrite of the Constitution. That would open up all sorts of... Uh, Pandora's boxes uh, when you come to Christian values. Andrea, your thoughts for uh, our caller, Gary?
2: Well, I think that we've seen that in in a nation that's very close to the Queen, that we are the ones that lead the world away from Christian values and Christian precepts. And I'm calling out here um, on my tour here of Australia to say, Australia, will you get back to the Bible? Will the church in this nation rise up and speak of him? And will this nation be a light unto the world? Will this nation resist same sex marriage, because if what, what, unless you do, you're going to rob society of that great and glorious gospel picture of Jesus Christ, the bridegroom coming for his um, coming for his bride, the church. And that's what we need to see somewhere in the world. We need to see uh, a nation that rises up and speaks of his truth.
0: Thank you so much to Gary from Sydney. We'll try and get through as many calls as we can. We've only just got a few more minutes to take some calls. Let's hear from Christine in Glen Innes in New South Wales. Hello, Christine.
3: Oh, hello. How are you?
0: Very well, Christine. What are your thoughts quickly?
3: Um, Look, I work in um, childcare and school, the school system, and um, it's very insidious how all of this um, comes in, and it seems to be coming in to um, attack our children first, if not, um, you know, the the rest of us. Uh, to having gone to a, a seminar for childcare just two years ago, and one of the first things was addressed was um, homosexuality, and um, I just, and also, I'm passionate for Christians to know what the word says. To know what they believe, because I come across Christians who um, have trouble with what with my faith and what I believe that that what the Bible says is what it says. Um, but I know Christians who say, "Oh no, we're born. You know, if we're homosexual, we're born like that." And it's like, "But that's not the Bible that you're proclaiming to believe in. That's not what it
2: says."
0: Okay, good thoughts there. A response from Andrea. Well,
2: I think that it is very interestingly with the. The secularism has taken over the institutions, first of all, the universities, it's in parliament, it's in the law courts, and then it comes into the schools and our our children is is the philosophy that dominates the teaching of our children in every aspect of teaching, science, the arts, and of course, sex education. I think the thing that shocked me back at home is this, that after same-sex marriage, very quickly – came the whole transgenderism issue. And we've got three cases back at home of six-year-olds identifying in the opposite gender. So little little boys going to school dressed as little girls, being known by a different pronoun and a different name, and the whole of the school's sporting policies, toileting policies change. And all of the other children have to believe that the child that was once Johnny is now Jane, and I think that this is the kind of thing that comes in. This is where it's heading, and it comes very fast. And again, it's kind of like a collective delusion: the medical profession, the schools' profession, and the only people that can see clearly are the people that can see Jesus. It would, and with, this is this is why we really have to. Well, I think a few more actually, but the point is, we have to lead the way um, in order to, to lead the nation into truth. <sighs>
0: Thank you so much to the caller, Christine. We'll take one more. Val is in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Val. Welcome along. Hello. Val, what We're, are your thoughts quickly?
5: One very simple thing that we can do is that every Christian wear their crosses. Let's have more crosses than rainbows out there and be prepared to give an answer if anybody asks about it. Um, but I was just thinking, uh, you know, Jesus said he came to bear witness to the truth. And uh, we're in a time where truth is denied. It says, "Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter." And look, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is an opportunity for witness, and and we have to speak up and be strong. And if it means we have court cases over. Over it, well, so much the better. It's bringing it all into the public eye and gi- gives us a chance to speak up.
0: Val, good thoughts there. Response from Andrea.
2: Well, that's what the Not a Ash- Shame Tour is all about. And I, I wasn't someone who was, when I was growing up, certainly someone who was into symbols or anything like that. But now I think it's absolutely right that we should be wearing crosses, that we should be vocal and visible. It's interesting that in the UK, people have lost their jobs for wearing a cross, as I've already said, an electrician was told he'd had a cross in his van for 15 years. He was working for a local authority and he was told to take the cross out of his van because it might offend Muslims in the area. Uh, We've had uh, Christian evangelists being told to not go into certain areas in Britain because they're Islamic and it would be offensive. So we've had somebody taking a cross. uh, A school protested that he was carrying the cross too close to the school. So, you know, we've had all these sorts of protests, but I think that we do need to be vocal and visible and put out the signs of Jesus Christ into the public space.
0: A Val from Mackay, thank you so much for your call. We won't take any more calls now. In fact, we've really got to... Uh, bring some loose ends together. And I want to mention where you're going to be speaking over this week uh, because those who are particularly in capital cities or close to, you'll have an opportunity to hear Andrea Williams and there may still be some tickets available for those particular gatherings. Uh, Andrea, we've been talking about uh, all of these deteriorations. You say once it starts to come, it comes quickly, Very fast. Uh, this change. There needs to be a quick response. There needs uh, to be
2: a rapid resistance. There needs to be a mass resistance and a rapid resistance. I
0: feel like with the Christian community in Australia, there's a I'm learning lots more about this. I'm beginning to understand the challenge. I'm waiting for the opportunity. Uh, What do you do to say, if this is coming so quickly, the quick response is needed now, what are you supposed to do? Get the cross around your neck like Val says. uh, Get a bigger cross on your church. (laughs) Get a church sign that has messages for the community. Uh, Get, uh, I imagine. uh,
2: I mean, make sure that you know what's happening. So make sure that you're on Family Voices' email list, that you understand what's going on, that that you're actually informed. Do not retreat Um, and pastors need to wake up and the church needs to awake and arise the church needs to find her voice she needs to not not close coming i sometimes think of the church the church needs to be inside out needs to be facing outwards we need to be training one another to speak of jesus christ in the public space and we need to be vocal and visible uh to, to to the to our local communities and also because Because in Australia, it's possible because of the numbers. We need to be involved in local politics. We need to be on school governor boards. We need to be in our hospitals. We need to be involved in the political parties. You know, the kind of numbers that we're talking about, it'd be very easy for us to really take hold of public life for Jesus Christ once more. And that's what we need to plan to do and see that as missionary activity for, for the salvation of a nation so that the nation will be blessed So that the nation will look to Jesus Christ, so that the nation will have springs of living water rather than dirty, broken, rotten cisterns, as it says in Jeremiah. Something that's very beautiful and that will be a light unto the world. Will you be salt and light unto the world? Will we look to Australia and see a nation that loves her history and loves Jesus Christ?
0: Well, there is certainly a challenge in all of that. We have run out of time. Now, if you are near uh, the capital cities of Brisbane or Melbourne or Hobart or in Sydney, uh, you might have a chance to see uh, what Andrea has to say face to face. Andrea is a UK barrister. She is here in Australia as a guest of Family Voice Australia. uh, Meetings tonight in Brisbane at the Cornerstone Christian Centre in Alderley in Melbourne tomorrow night at the 1330 church in Scoresby in fact it's tonight and it's uh, sorry it's tomorrow night and on Wednesday night in Melbourne on Thursday night you'll be able to see Andrea speak at St Clement's Anglican Church in Hobart and on Friday at the Wesley Centre in Sydney as Andrea said, check on the website, Family Voice Australia, A U, and that's where you can find some more detail too to keep up to date, to get informed about the issues as as they are evolving. Uh, great to get your insights today, Andrea, and certainly all the best for your speaking engagements and for the good work that you're doing in defending Christian believers in the UK. Uh, we just want to honour you for that, and uh, thank you so much for being with us today on 2020.
2: Thank you for the opportunity.
1: Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.